Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I am John Holmes. It's the The One Show Show, and this is part two of this week's The The One Show Show, the podcast that loiters outside The One Show's house and throws stones at its garage door before running off when the porch light comes on. Part one of this dropped to quiet ambivalence yesterday, so if you'd like part two to make sense from the off, why not go back and listen to that first? But otherwise, enjoy, as I'm joined by Mark Haynes and comedy writer, author and unbeliever... Ariane Shireen. The George Allegai, though, yeah, he was on. Lovely chap, George Allegai. Mm. You know, we all know him um, from the news. A voice of authority, as I believe our one-show <laughs> yeah. colleagues have said. But there's a great moment when he was talking about his book, which he's written about his time as a correspondent in South Africa, all the things he's done and over the years. And, and then he said, no, Matt said, well, you know, you've seen a lot, but you can't talk about certain things mm. like that. And he said, you hit the nail on the head, Matt. You've hit the nail on the head. I'm, I'm not buying that book. And, Matt, and then Matt went... I've been there, George. <laughs> it kind of delves into those gaps between my reports. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an old man. I've been reporting for the BBC for 30-odd years. But you've seen a lot, but you can only say certain things. Exactly. Yes. You, you Spot on, Matt. Mm. I mean, it, it's... It... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, George. <laughs> what have you seen, Matt? You've seen some things that a woman ain't supposed to see. Yeah. Maybe he just meant he'd been to South Africa. <laughs> like... Yeah, so George Allegai was on. There was... Uh, an interesting opening to Mondays as well. Uh-huh. It was Dad's Army. So they've remade some lost episodes of Dad's Army with yeah. some scripts that were never that were filmed but just got yeah. wiped. And, right? and, the, and the corpses and ashes of the cast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah, they've dug them up and uh, reanimated the corpses of them, <laughs> and there they are. No, they've got so they had uh, Kevin McAnally on and uh, Robert Bathurst and the guy from what's his name Tom Rosenthal yeah. from what's he in? He's, He's in Friday. Night dinner. He's in Friday night dinner. Yeah. So he's playing Private Pike. So they had an interview with him in a in the dressing room during the filming. Because who went along? Giles Brandreth went along. Yeah. First of all, he talked about the uh, oldest cast member, and I'm thinking, get Giles away from that. Giles is the Grim Reaper when it comes to talking <laughs> to old people uh, on the One Show. We've talked about that before. Now, Thelma Ruby, you are 94. You're the oldest member of this company. What's your part? Oh, it's a small part. So whoever that woman is, who was the oldest one, is is probably now dead by the time this goes out. (laughs) But there was a great Brandreth moment. This was very early on into Mondays, only sort of like three minutes in. And Brandreth just said to him, you're playing a character, obviously, the private pike, you're playing that. 
What was it like? But who are the actors who will recreate the much-loved characters of Captain Mannering, Sergeant Wilson, Corporal Jones, and Privates Pike, Fraser, Walker, and Godfrey? What's it like actually playing a character that is so well known? We're obviously not trying to replace the original performances. Oh, oh lovely. It's I, a favourite question of the one show. I, I got two, like? two what was it like this week. Yeah, the bangers. What was it like going around the town and Very seeing all the people? Good. Oh, that guy. Another one on Monday, mm. we came back to Matt in the studio talking again to Kevin McAnally and Robert Thingy. Yeah. And he just went, what was it like? What was it like to shoot this? Oh, embarrassing. Here we are um, during the Supremes where he was talking to Mary Wilson. Yeah. Uh, she had a lost jacket returned to her by a fan in France. And a young lady found one, a top of one of our gowns in the, um, in Paris, in France. Mm -hmm. This particular one you're showing there. She yeah. found that in, in a boot a garage sale. We call them garage sales. Mm -hmm. And uh, she saw my name tag in the back of it. So she gave it back to me yesterday. What was it like, Mary, to be reunited with that child? It's like a child. What was that like? <laughs> Banging it, classic, oh. and there was another... There what was, was one that like? on Thursday mm. when they were talking to a wildlife cameraman uh, who'd shot all this Emmy award-winning footage, and he said, uh, I think he said, you started working with Sir David in the 90s. Yep. What was that like? What was that like? <laughs> I'm sure he did one with Jamie Oliver. What was that oh, like? There, I'm sure there was one there. I'll, I'll dig it out. It'll come up right now. Evie's day yeah. today. Um, yes. Was she happy with the results? Yes, she was very happy with her results, and as were we, and relieved. Well, yeah, yeah so, of course. Uh, no, she did really well. We're so proud of her, and uh, oh. congratulations to all the parents out there, <laughs> as well as the kids. Yeah, what has it been like for you? Then? I think it's I think tough. Very... There it was. Yeah, yeah just for proof, <laughs> if the proof we needed. Yeah. I wish we, I wish we in the room knew what it was because we've gone back and added it in. <laughs> but I think we can all agree it was very well observed. Um, Jay, let's talk about Jamie Oliver. Actually, he was on Thursday's episode. Mm. Uh, Jamie Oliver, discuss. Well. I felt a bit sorry for him Did because you? obviously all his businesses have gone down the toilet. Yeah. And then he was like, "Well, I've learned from it. I will. I will come back stronger." And yeah. that was kind of nice. Yeah. I, I thought he handled it really well. What was funny is I had loads of notes building up to that. They left it till the last I did. little right. bit they ask did. Him about, ask him about yeah. Jamie's Italian. <laughs> yeah, ask him. Ask there, him. There's a big yeah. elephant in the room there. And yeah. the other thing is I got the impression that he was waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah. So he couldn't just sort of relax and if they got it over with at the start, yeah. could go, well, I've got my new book. He was just sitting there thinking, when is this question going to be asked? Yeah. When is it going to be asked? And the problem is with the one show, you don't necessarily know it is going to be asked. <laughs> so when it finally came, he looked a bit relieved, like, oh, here it is. It is good, OK, we, we can do that. Sure. And, I mean, Jamie, talking about business, I mean, I've known you for a long time now and I'm so, so sorry with what happened to your restaurants and what Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, um, I, I was looking into a bit of this about how the empire sort of collapsed and, I mean, it's just, you know, he, I think he's got three restaurants left open out of his empire of 25. A thousand people lost their jobs. He put, I mean, they mentioned how much money he put in. He, it was like 25 million or something. 25 million, and he said, and the rest. Yeah. It's not a laugh. I mean, it is. I, felt, I really felt for him, and I thought he came across really well. Look, I think when you're an employer, when you're trying to grow a business, we started in the recession, um, I ultimately, um, I wouldn't change. I'm proud of what we did. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. proud of what we started. Uh, it, it was worth doing. Mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't win. I couldn't survive. The climate's too tough. I just wish they'd done it at the start. 
yeah. because I was sitting there when he was doing his vegetarian cookbook. I was thinking, you know, oh, someone's all right. You know, someone's come out of it okay. Yeah. And it was actually a mean-spirited sense on my part that I wish I hadn't <laughs> exuded out. Well, they did rub his face in a successful restaurant that not quite a rival, of course, because this was a, another weird BBC. Oh, so are you KFCing? Oh, yeah. Oh, mate. oh, yeah. On a previous one show, and right, there was a really weird extended week-long advert for Subway where they went to film in a franchise of Subway. And we can't work out why they did this. And this was the turn of... It was a KFC advert. It was just about their new range, wasn't it? This, this was their vegan chicken. Did you see this? No. So KFC, they sent someone along because they're changing their menu uh, a little bit because they realise they're unhealthy. They've got to make it a bit healthier. And the whole thing was just about what KFC's new range is. They filmed it in KFC's Innovations Lab. So they're not even doing it on neutral ground. Yeah. They, they've gone there and they meet the... Innovations They meet the lab. guy who is paid to be the PR man for KFC. Yeah. Talking to this person on TV who... I don't know if they're a journalist, but they're on telly. Yeah. And he, he's just essentially doing sound bites that they're, that they're following. Yeah. At the company's innovation lab in Woking, Surrey, innovation director Jack Hinchcliffe explained to me how they're addressing worries about their food. And your company's called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Do you find that that's a bit of a shackle? I don't know if the name shackles us, because we've tried grilled products in the past, pulled chicken, griddled chicken, but actually our customers come to us because they love our fried chicken. Everybody watching that knows that KFC is as healthy to eat as magnesium, right? <laughs> But they were doing this thing about we're already cutting down on on you know the calories and this that the other. I mean, what? Why is it we're hoping for eight to minutes? cut twenty percent of calories off our massive dead chicken that we fry yeah. by twenty twenty five? Yeah, we made the commitment to reduce the average number of calories per serving by twenty percent by twenty twenty five. I think why don't you do it tomorrow? Yeah, <laughs> they, they mentioned What's wrong with you? They're leaving the skins on the chips now, and they went and you know that that is saving on waste. It's like, yeah, it's saving on waste because you're charging me to eat the waste. <laughs> it was such an odd... I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I ate a KFC. I don't know. You know, the, the whole thing about their herbs and spice... Mm. Secret recipes, mm. wasn't it, to get into this? Uh, the, the coating of the chicken. I've looked into this, right? Yeah. And it's not coat, It's not a special coating. They just <laughs> use chickens with eczema. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers. <laughs> if they're only listening, they don't. They don't yeah. do it, it, was, it was like doing, I don't know, like you were someone's foreign exchange student and they oh. worked in middle management at KFC and you had to go with them to the office. <laughs> and someone began doing a, a lecture for the middle yeah. management. I just, I don't understand what it was. They served, this, the presenter was called Nisha Katona mm. and they presented her uh, with a vegan chicken burger so obviously that's the fashionable thing they've gone down the route of going we need to get into this market we need to do a vegan chicken deliciously great (laughs) (laughs) but what was really interesting about it was the pr guy handed it to her they cut it in half they did she's the only time a knife has ever touched some kfc (laughs) no one's ever seen that before she took a bite out of it and he said to her give it a go so she bit it and then they just cut away (laughs) vegan innovation This has been created by the team to be just like having an original recipe, Philip Berger. Okay. Give it a go. It's great to have a vegan option with secret recipe taste, but whether it tickles the taste buds of the nation is yet to be seen. There, w- there was no follow-up. No reaction. And they, and they went to the fries, and she was like, the new fries, they t- actually yeah. taste really potatoy. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you didn't mention anything about the vegan thing. I think what happened, they had to cut that because she was sick in one of those KFC buckets. <laughs> uh, and they went, well, that's the secret recipe. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and we can't show that on television. Yeah. And then they, they came out of that, didn't they? Jamie Oliver was still there, and they yeah. were like, "Do you think that's a you know a good business policy to go vegan?" And that was part of their lead into saying, yeah. "You know, whatever you say is irrelevant, isn't it?" Because things didn't work out for you, <laughs> which I thought was a bit of a you know shitty trick. Yeah. Um, he was doing a, a vegan cookbook, and he's got a series about it. And I thought, God, that seems for someone like Jamie Oliver, who was always on the forefront of eating so he was like there with the 30 minute meals and the ones before which was all about fresh and you know quick uh, meals that you could cook for loads of people quite easily he was always at the front of that and I was thinking about this like I was thinking god the veg cookbook that seems like it's on the tail end of vegetarian cookbooks which have been massive yeah, for yeah. years and <laughs> he then sort of went yeah actually I um, I wrote this book eight years ago but I just knew it had to be supported by TV, TV and it took that long for my bosses just to allow me to do this and I was thinking ah oh, right so you're not behind the curve you're actually really ahead of it it's just everyone else got in your way okay that's a nice bit of face saving <laughs> <laughs> bullshit absolute fucking nonsense bullshit um, and actually I wrote this book eight years ago did you? But yeah, absolutely. And and it's taken me eight years to... I knew it had to be supported by TV. Right. And it took me eight years to convince my bosses to let me make the programme. But <laughs> right. I, that's life, right? Yeah. And I yeah. just... Did you see what he had written on his sweatshirt? Pickles. Pickle. What? what, what, what why? What's, Pickle. What, is, that, is, a, is that a Jamie Oliver thing? New band. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just got waylaid by that, staring at the word pickle on it. I was thinking, why? Because why? if you go on television, right, you choose what to wear. In your case, hair extensions. <laughs> that time. <laughs> the Christmas hat. <laughs> <laughs> but he must have gone, I'm going to wear my pickle sweatshirt. Mm, I'm, I'm no longer a businessman. I'll put the pickle top on. And then also... They showed a, a photo. They congratulated him on his wedding anniversary that's coming up. Yeah. Showed a photograph of him in his wedding suit, and he said, "For twenty years, yeah, we're going to renew our vows." And they then talked about his shoes that weren't visible in the photograph because they'd cropped them out. Right. And it was like so. Matt was sort of saying, "Those, cro- those crocodile shoes there." And you go, "Well, I can't see. Can't <laughs> see the shoes. This is a terrible bit." Of- they also did something really weird with him, which is he just disappeared. They didn't say goodbye to him. They didn't go, okay, thanks a lot, Jamie. Lovely to see you. They just, they ended it with him talking about the business stuff going wrong. Yeah. They then cut to, it was a little clip of the wildlife cameraman, and he was just no longer there. And there was no sort of like goodbye. It was a really weird thing where I'm like, oh, is he coming back at the end to do some cookery? Yeah. No. Perhaps he had to go to the Savoy on a motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing his crocodile shoes that you can't see. The cameraman was quite interesting, I thought. Did you see the wildlife cameraman at the end of this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The poor guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he was quite good. Yeah. This is a guy who worked with David Attenborough. Uh, He's got BAFTAs, he's got Emmys, all that kind of stuff. Angelica joined in here with with the catchphrase, by Mm -hmm. the way. They talked about a submarine. He'd been filming in a submarine uh, in the Arctic, I think, on the Mm -hmm. Antarctic. And she said, I don't know how you managed to stay underwater and film that footage. What was it like? Great. And one of the stories that really struck me was when you were in a submarine, because I don't know how you had been able to stay underwater and take all that footage. What was it like? Um... And this was also the episode that had the film with Bill, the 103-year-old D-Day veteran. Yeah. What was it like going around the town and seeing all the people? This was where the fire brigade inserted a man into a duck. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, He's a 103-year-old World War II veteran who had driven a amphibious vehicle, which yeah. are known as ducks, onto the beach at D-Day. Yeah. He he didn't have the most thrilling D-Day story. <laughs> Did you hear it? Did you hear what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Are there any memories that, that stick out in your mind? Only when we landed on D-Day and the damn thing nearly went under. Yeah. Went under halfway. So you ended up in the water? We went under water. Yeah, I was hoped. Were you scared? Were you worried? No. No? No. 
we went looking around for we found some Canadians who all they were sort of knocked out in their tank, so we all got together and made a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Saving Private Ryan would have been a very different film. If, uh, <laughs> if and so he basically said, look, I want to go on a duck again. I want to have another go. And everyone was like, well, we'll move heaven and earth to make that happen. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Jim will fix it for the elderly. Uh, <laughs> show which Jim wouldn't be interested <laughs> in presenting. No. How did you feel when you saw the vehicle? Oh, lovely. Davey is easy to drive as anything. Where does it? like a saloon car. Yeah. You just have to remember the length and the width. But he didn't really get to drive it. They, they had to get a crane to get him in it, yeah. even though... Old people don't weigh anything. You could have just lifted him up. Yeah, you but could. presumably that's disrespectful to veterans. I yeah. don't know. So we'll put him in a cherry picker while everyone stares at him. Yeah, <laughs> right. And he got to sit next to it while the man who actually owned it drove it, yeah. which is a bit like my dad when he's got stuff I can't use it. You know, <laughs> he's a bit like you can sit there, but I'll be doing the driving. You know, literally three hundred people have turned up to see him drive this duck, and the yeah. bloke's like, "Well, you sit there, and I'll, I'll do that." And they just drove around the village for a bit. I thought it was going to go in, at least into a, like a river. Well, like they could have but... mixed that up with one of their river-clearing films, couldn't they? They'd have, <laughs> you know, trawled a net behind the duck. Yeah. They could have gone, well, 103-year-old, what was it, Bill, something? Bill, They're all yeah. called Bill. Uh, <laughs> 103-year-old Bill, duck Bill. He's uh, <laughs> uh, driving his duck, but he was hopeless on D-Day. He achieved nothing. All he did was make a cup of fucking tea. He didn't help the war effort at all. But we're making him do his bit by dragging a trolley out of a canal. Couldn't have Come been. on, Bill, you lazy bastard. No wonder you survived, you coward. It couldn't have been a better representation of his D-Day experience in that he drove around aimlessly for a bit and no Germans died. <laughs> <laughs> Useless. Uh, oh, God. Oh. Great Big Owl. What? Great Big Owl. Stop saying that. What about Great Big Owl? It's a family of podcasts. Ooh. Who's in this family? Well, there's Rule of Three, that's us. <laughs> there's Brian and Roger. Hi, Roger, it's Brian. There's the The One Show Show. There's oh, nowhere else nice. you would find a, a four or five minute film about Pine Martins. Yes. Without a sight of one Pine Martin at all in the film. There's Barry and Angelos. Oh, uh, Gooch, Goochie, Chooch. Yeah. Remember that lovely one? And there's Smirch Pod. Could you eat first? I think we know. <sighs> well, I know, I don't know if I'd want to eat Lazenby. Basically, look for Great Big Owl on your pod, what's it? Good idea. Have we got a sting? Owls don't sting. GreatBigOwl.com If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you, uh, you, you watched Wednesday, did you, with this? The... I didn't see Wednesday. I know right. you did I see Wednesday. I saw Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Did you like the build up for Diana Ross? when it turned out it wasn't Diana oh, Ross. No, I know. I thought, oh my God, it's going to be Diana Ross. This is really incredible. What because they, do? they usually don't get... Because it was Mary Wilson who was like her second in command kind of, you know, in the Supreme. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> in, the, in the Motown SF. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very cruel. It was very cruel. But it had a wonderful beat. Um, they would beat you to death. Is that another one? I'm, I'm trying to work this out. <laughs> Everyone had dressed up specially for the day in suits and like glittery dresses and they did a big thing just going please welcome her the queen of the supremes and it cut to a little package which was just Diana Ross singing in the supremes and you see Diana Ross again and again and again and again and again and then it cuts back and it goes that's right she's here the queen of the supremes Mary Wilson (laughs) Um, what we are talking about is the queen of the supremes in all of her glory not you the other one is the queen right Mary Wilson I'm willing to say is certainly a princess of the, of the Supremes but you, you can't be the queen of the Supremes and not be Diana Ross no it doesn't work no. she was she was lovely she was really good fun big American who couldn't stop talking having a really good laugh getting Angelica's name wrong being a bit shirty about the photos that were being shown Angelica got very upset though like and she was like oh you just carry on talking when, when uh, Mary was talking to uh... Robert Rinder yes yes because <laughs> they were just chatting away in the background. So nowhere else, you see, would you get Mary Wilson of the Supremes and Judge Rinder no. on the same... <laughs> they also got on much better, Judge Rinder and Mary Wilson, than Mary Wilson did with Matt and Angelica. And that's that thing where you can see your guest getting away from you and the other guest is taking over and you're going, "What? I'm like a spare brick at a wedding. I've got to get this back. Yeah. Matt then put his foot in it where he said... Um, so uh, Diana Ross, you know, it hasn't really worked out, but you're... Um, and she went, what do you mean? <laughs> and obviously the history of the Supremes is something that you do talk so openly about. Mm. And, you know, on the topic of Diana Ross as well, I mean, mm-hmm. you mm. you would watch her 
out of your bedroom window when you were growing up. You'd see her there, yeah. you all got together, and then things, you know, haven't worked out. But do you ever think there will what be What do you a time? mean, what hasn't worked out? I'm here, still here 50-some years later. Mm. So is Diane. <laughs> and he, he absolutely shat himself, and he looked nervous for the next minute and a half. And she was like, all these years later, we're still going and everything. And it was like, fucking hell. I don't think he knows enough about it to sort of go... Oh, yeah, I called that wrong. He was obviously just told, ooh, they, they ate Diana Ross, they do. And he repeated it, and then you're stuck. Whoa. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Everyone quiet. You, the, the, the tall streak of piss. What did you just say? It would have been brilliant. Put him on the spot. Matt, we did, because Matt famously never does any research, right? We, we've, we've watched this, we've analysed this. He's never watched the people's television programmes, read their books or anything. This week, he, he, he had, he admitted, he, he seemed to have read George Allegaia's book because mm-hmm. he said, oh, there's a, there's a racy bit at the end. <laughs> I didn't explain what it was. A family, family show. Family, family show. Uh, and he'd watched an episode of Fred Thingy's yes, uh, uh, Step Up to it, the Plate. Fred Siriex. Is it? Yeah, Fred Siriux. That was his... Hang on. That show is just Fred Siriux screaming at children because they don't understand what it's like to be a top-flight maitre d'. Where are your straws? Straws. Remember, Alfie, more haste, less speed. Straws, straws, straws. Oh, la, 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 la. Yeah, so he's got a restaurant staffed full of kids. Yeah. And they'll, they'll go around to table and they go, what would you like for a drink? And he'll bring them back and go, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> you know, what are you fucking yeah, doing? He didn't have to get a kid with a tray of drinks. Yeah. And but he hadn't put straws in the yeah. drinks or something. And he just, he was just like, where, where, where are these straws? Where are, the, yeah. where are the fucking straws? And the kid puts it on the floor to go and get the straws. And he comes back and he goes, you never put a tray on the floor. Yeah. You bacteria. Like that, you know. <laughs> Mate, I'm seven years old. <laughs> you know, what is this? Fred will fix it. <laughs> In series two, I hope he opens up his own tin mine <laughs> filled with kids that he flogs for falling asleep. Down in Cornwall near the pilchards. <laughs> the weakest one every night is cooked by that chef who did the pilchards thing. Oh, the really basically. Yeah. In oil. Just a bit of oil, barbecue, done. Eat that. So, but I, I had to go back when they started talking to Fred, because uh, I've never seen or heard Fred before ever. I mean, I had no idea who he was. Popular Charismatic Fred, he's yeah, really nice. No idea, is he another Rylan? Uh, no, <laughs> you'd like him more. He's more like a modern Jean Paul Gaultier who doesn't get silly. All oh, right, fine. So I'd know it, but I had to go back because they were chatting to him about his program. But I'm thinking, well, you haven't told me who he is or what he is. No, they Am didn't. Am I just supposed to know? Yeah. Which I didn't. So I had to go back and kind of watch the bit when they introduced him. And I still didn't really. I was not the wise. He's, he's a maitre d', he's a top yeah. flight maitre d', and he does first dates, which he's very, very good at. And he greets people as they come in. Hello, you're here for your first date. Uh, yeah. How are you doing? Are you having a good time? That sort of thing. Okay. You know, it, it literally is that. Right. If he wasn't French, they wouldn't use. <laughs> but, but he's very handsome and he's very fresh. Yeah. Oh no, he was, he was exactly both of those. He's things. got twinkly eyes and he's very charming. Yeah. Everyone who goes on first dates, everyone, and this this is not just you know the ladies and and gay guys. It, the straight guys go on and you slightly hope your date doesn't turn up and Fred goes, I was thinking maybe I could join you. A hundred percent, Fred, a hundred percent. There was a very elderly lady who told him that she'd seen him posing in just underpants and that he, she liked his penis. What? 
This wasn't on the one this show. This is on first dates. <laughs> it's a family show. It's a family yeah. show. It's a family show. Family it's a family show. show. Family show. Uh, first date sounds like something for city people. <laughs> uh, there was a film on Monday's episode. There was, a, again, this wasn't, a, there was an anniversary of the first time they allowed cameras in the Houses of Parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a film about that and they interviewed Michael Howard and I think it was Emily Thornbury uh-huh. um, about what Parliament's like, and they showed some old clips, particularly... Oh, and they had Robin Cook's kids on. Mm-hmm. So when Robin Cook resigned in Parliament, they used that as an example of, an, of, of a famous uh, speech in Parliament. Yeah. That's the, obviously the one they could clear to show. And they, they showed that and got his sons, who were teenagers at the time, but now, of course, they'd grown up, to, to re-watch it and just go, oh, yeah, that's typical dad and all that kind of stuff. But what they didn't mention, which was the most interesting part of the whole film, sitting behind Robin Cook during that very famous I'm resigning from the government because I don't agree with the, the stance on the Iraq yeah. war, was, was Jeremy Corbyn. Yes. Really? Did you yeah, spot looking yeah. quite dapper and sort of... Yeah, well, yeah. looking sort of... Yeah, sm- a smart Corbyn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, but you looked at him, you think, well, he was such a non-entity. There's no way would you imagine, yeah. as no one ever did, that he'd become leader of the opposition. <laughs> but, but you'd certainly point it out if you'd watched the thing you'd and it go, was... And look, there's a young Jeremy Corbyn. No one mentioned it. He still had a brown beard. He was really young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, just an old one show, miss out something that's quite interesting. Yeah. Thing. There, there was a, a little a piece this week which I liked, which is they did a thing about uh, the improvement of, in prisons by actually sort of trying to give people education. Oh, okay. And big, a big scheme that had been running at a place called Guy's Marsh. And the guy who was in charge of Guy's Marsh was saying, we've taken a new approach to this and we, we actually now, all of the warders are called by their first names and we try and be, you know, we're not we're not here to punish, we're here to improve. And he said, it's the biggest radical change that's been made in any prison I've ever worked in. And I was thinking, great, let's put up some of these left-leaning initiatives and let's you know celebrate them and let people know about them but it started with the most astonishing thing which uh, it, it started they just said guys marsh prison has made the headlines for all the wrong reasons guys marsh prison dorset it's hit the headlines for all the wrong reasons drugs hidden inside rats violence and reports of partying in cells. <laughs> Drugs inside rats. And they flushed up a picture of a dead rat that had been cut open and then stitched together really badly, which I presume was full of drugs. <laughs> it's like it's 7.30 on BBC One. Wow. And there's a it's stitched a family up show. It's drug family show. rat. I was amazed. Anyway, that is now how I'm getting all my drugs. <laughs> Thanks, lads. Wow. They, see, occasionally they do sneak these things in that you mm. think Matt wouldn't have approved of that, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> no. Did you notice that they said twice, he said, but can you see that people aren't going to like this? being nice to prisoners. Many watching will think prison should be punitive and this approach is too soft. I appreciate that people who are sitting at home watching this may struggle with some of the work that we do here. And then he's, yeah, and then he was like, well, you know, I think it's a great thing and, you know, it's all about rehabilitation. And he went, yeah, but can you see why people are going to have a problem with it? Many people take the view that prisons should be punitive places for people who commit crimes and that this whole approach defeats that purpose. 
Uh, some will say that, absolutely, but they, they'd be wrong. Yeah, because by, by and large, people are assholes. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, I'm the man who works in the prison system, and I've worked out what works and what doesn't. And just because you're some fucking milkman who hates on the idea that prisoners aren't having to get up at 5.30 in the morning, it doesn't matter. It is that thing of going, well, we've got to put both sides. And you say, well, people are being educated and they'll turn away from crime. What's the other side on that? Well, they should be killed. <laughs> there was also a film about Live Aid, which preceded that, which was bizarre as to why that went in there. Why was there a film about Live Aid? That was, the anniversary of that was ages ago. Uh, you know, we, it was in July. We know, talked about You that. know that thing we always... Uh, everyone goes on about it, about how there was that brief five-minute section during the Who's set where the audiovisual dropped out. You, right. you, you, know, you've, you talk about this with your mates all the time. I mean, it's, it's one, of, one of the most famous things you've ever heard of. Talking of technical hitches, uh, an absolute belter happened when the Who uh, were playing in front of one and a half billion people. Then yes. suddenly, nobody watching telly could see them. This is what happened. Well, what had basically happened is during Live Aid, and nobody remembers this, is that for five minutes there was a power overload and everything cut off. And so there's a missing three minutes of the Who's set. And a guy was saying, yeah, it's, you know, the engineers had to come and they turned off all the, all the things in our van to try and get the power back on, and then it went back on. And someone had been going through a storage unit and they'd found some backup tapes and they'd found this missing part of the Who's performance. Right. I mean, who I, I, I had no idea. No. And I watched it and it was really like, it's, I don't understand, this was Cary Grant. Lots of things that people could not have been interested in. Power outages in 1985. <laughs> you know, the who of their millions of shows a bit being missing. Um, <laughs> but also the who's Live Aid set wasn't one of the great no. big Live Aid sets that everyone talks about afterwards. U2, because it sort of broke U2 into a much bigger audience. Yeah. Queen, obviously. Yeah. Um, Phil Collins, because he Phil, was on the jet. He went between, yeah. around he, because he they... destroyed the planet yeah. with his plane ride. Simon Le Bon hit a really bum note. Yep, and uh, status quo kicked it off. Yeah. Those are the and things. supplied all the cocaine to the people backstage yeah. in rats. <laughs> 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 you're, but, a, you're a friend of Simon Le Bon, aren't you? I, I am. You t- I'm t- very t- lucky. Yeah. This is, I, did you? Have, yeah. Because yeah. this week you posted a picture of you and Simon Bond at your house. Yeah. Explain that to me. Um, Simon Bond came round to my house. Was, yeah, but, but, was it was it early Christmas? <laughs> no, I was a big Duran Duran fan and I got kicked out of school and I thought my deputy head teacher said, well, you have got to work out what you're going to do now. And I said, I'm going to go and find Duran Duran. So I went down and found out where they were recording. I turned up, Simon Le Bon came out on his bike. I said, hi, Simon, I want to be a songwriter. Um, I've just been kicked out of school. I come from Pinner. And he goes, oh, I come from Pinner too. I love Pinner. Um, you should, uh, I'd like to come back to Pinner one of these days. So he um, he took my number and then he called me up and said, can I, um, I'm going to come round uh, your house with a, an extra helmet and we can go for a bike ride. So he came around my house. Came in for a cup of tea and played me... Did you, is this a dream? No! <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true. And um, he had a cup of tea. He played me Electric Barbarella, which was a track that they'd just recorded. And um, he played me a song that has never been released. And then we went um, on a ride on his motorbike. <laughs> you see, we're going to have to leave it there because the, the one show in all of its series that it's ever had on British television, not one bit has been as interesting as that, yeah. which would have made the ultimate one show film. Can I give you one topper? Yeah, please do. I also come from Pinner. No way. <laughs> and I went to a place called the Pinner Studio School yeah. and it was a house where two elderly lesbians, I only found this out many years later, <laughs> taught kids how to do drama. And they were 
were brilliant. They were great fun. Miss Hudson and Miss Wilson. And they had some famous people who had been there. There was a girl who was in Rockcliffe's Babies. Oh, yeah, I, she, no, I used to love Rockcliffe's She babies. appeared in one of those episodes yeah. as a child that went missing. They had... <laughs> Alex Lowe, uh, oh, yeah. the actor, who was the first voice of Adrian Mole. But the other person who'd been there as a young kid was Simon Le Bon. And Simon Ooh. Le Bon had obviously gone on to great success. I'm a bit younger than he is. And by the time I went there, when you used to walk through the door into this studio school, this drama school for kids, there were two big pictures as you went in. On the left-hand side was a picture of Shakespeare. And on the right <laughs> was an equally big one of Simon Le Bon. <laughs> oh, just like your teenage bedroom. <laughs> Did you get off with him? No. Oh. Right, so, very quickly, any other one show business, anything we've missed <laughs> that you might have thought about? Oh, you might yes, we'll yes. want to sort of uh, have a bit of therapy by talking about it. One yeah. tiny thing. Go on. You know um, Arthur Lowe from Dad's Army? Yes. Mm. They were going on about his his jacket and stuff, and his name was in it and stuff. Anyway, and they got his uh, grandson to come on and say, you know, how his granddad would have been pl- proud of him. Didn't he look like Jake Yap? He looked so much like Jake Yap. Oh my god, it was I Jake Yap. I haven't spotted that, but I'm oh, going to have to go back and have a look. You Pro- need to watch it again. Cause... Private Godfrey, who was the oldest person in the Dad's Army, he's the sort of bumbling old man. Yeah, he was played by Arnold Ridley, and his granddaughter is Daisy Ridley, who's in Star Wars. Ooh. In Interesting Dad's Ooh. Army Star Wars facts. But they didn't mention that, did they? No. No, that's no. just, you know, you need to come to us for these sort of facts, yeah. There was a weird bit at the beginning of that one where, uh, this, was, this was the episode we were talking about, where they had the actors on who were recreating the lost scripts of Dad's Army. It's on UK Gold or so. No, Dave. Is it on Dave? Or Gold. I can't remember. Yeah. One of those. And they started off with, uh, again, we began this episode with a bit of business, but there was a bit of business when Matt and Angelica arrived in the van that Jones, uh, who's a butcher, of course, wasn't he, in Dad's Army, uh, used to drive around. And they arrived in a replica of that van that obviously used for the filming. Oh, what an Hello and welcome to Monday's One Show with Matt Baker. And with Angelica Bell. Now, we are celebrating tonight the return of one of Britain's favourite comedy sitcoms. Of course, we're talking Dad's, Dad's Army. Army. Chris, you've got us here, my friend. Well Woo! done. Now, if you are a die-hard fan of the show, you will recognise this van. This is actually Lance Corporal Jones's original van from the series, made in 1935, and it's a Ford. Uh, and they said, if you're a die-hard Dad's Army fan, a die-hard Dad's Army fan, you'll recognise this van. And I'm not a die-hard Dad's <laughs> Army fan, right? But I think I just knew what that van was. You know, you d- no... You just recognise that van. Yeah. It also had Jones the Butcher written down the side of it, <laughs> so it was a very big clip. In brackets, from Dad's, Dad's Army. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I learned this week was that Bunny Langford's mum still runs a dancing school. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We'll be back next week. Please do rate, review and tell your friends about this podcast. All of the podcasts implore you to do that at the end, don't they? But every other podcast appears to be successful. So where's my... We might as well give it a shot. Come on! Get us into the chart. Uh, Also a reminder that we'll be doing this live on stage on Friday the 6th of September. And as I've said before, it will be an absolute mess. So why not come and be in the audience to see how not to do a live podcast? Tickets are cheap for a reason, so why not come along? Google the London Podcast Festival and search for us on there. kingsplace.co.uk is the actual website. And um, while you're remembering to do that, and also remembering that Fee Glover will be joining us as well, Remember this and remember it well. When you look at the television to look at the one show, the one show also looks back into you. Goodbye.
You heard of Great Big Owl? Yes, they make this podcast. Yeah, but not just this podcast. You're shitting me. Name some others. Well, there's Trolled. We had Luciana Berger and Gary Lineker coming on. Oh, yeah, and there's Crime Club. Did you get done for that? Yeah. There's The Fear. It's a kid's show. They really, really scared me. There's Always There. Thanks very much, because I would never have gone oh. down Howard's way oh. had you not asked me. There's Friends with Friends. Shoving a funnel in Joey's mouth and Rachel pours fat down. <laughs> and there's Ask the Nincompoops. Kids ask us the questions they want answered. That's for kids we shouldn't have sworn earlier. Bollocks. Quick, play the sting. Great big owl. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.